In the early church, Peter had a long ministry, and James had a shorter and less prominent role. But what's important is that both men fulfilled God's purposes for them. God has different paths for each of us in our service for Him. But to serve Him is to engage in a divine work that ultimately cannot be defeated. Welcome back to The Wisdom Journey. Stephen Davey takes you to Acts 12 today and a lesson he called God's Divine Designs. If life originated through a series of chance events, as evolution tries to convince the world, you know, we might expect our lives to be nothing more than just a a series of accidents, uh, random events without any purpose at all. Well, let me tell you, beloved, nothing could be further from the truth. I like the way Oswald Chambers put it, never believe that random events are anything less than God's appointed order. We need to be ready to discover his designs, his divine designs everywhere. I like that. All you have to do, uh, by the way, is just follow the events here in Acts chapter 12, and you're going to get plenty of evidence that God is in control of the details of life. Things might appear chaotic, unexpected, puzzling, and certainly uh, disappointing at times. One apostle, in fact, in this record, is going to die a martyr's death, and another apostle is going to be miraculously set free. But both events are part of God's divine design. Now, as Acts chapter 12 begins, we're going to see growing persecution of the church here in verse 1. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Now, this Herod here is Herod Agrippa I. He's the nephew of Herod Antipas, the king who had John the Baptist executed. And and you can imagine how troubling this event would be because persecution isn't now just coming from religious leaders. It's now coming from the government. You can also imagine how the death of James sent an earthquake through the early church. Uh, Even in the heart of his brother John, another member of the twelve original disciples, he would have been grieving deeply here. You you hardly ever read of, of these brothers in the gospel accounts apart or separated from each other. It's almost always James and John. Well, James is killed. He he becomes the first of the twelve apostles to be martyred. One ancient tradition says that as James walked from the courtroom to the place of execution, the soldier escorting him was so deeply moved after witnessing his testimony of faith in Christ that that he confessed his own faith in Christ as well. And as a result, he was executed right there along with James. Well, this persecution doesn't end with the death of James. In fact, we read here in verse 3, When Herod saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Herod redefines for us what it means to be a crooked politician. 
He's stooping so low as to even murder somebody in order to boost his public approval ratings. Here in verse 4, we're told that Herod is intending after the Passover to bring him, that is Peter, out to the people. He's going to have a, a public execution of Peter. He's going to do that to increase his popularity among the Jewish people. Verse 6 tells us that that Peter is chained inside a prison cell between two soldiers. There's literally no way out of this. The situation is hopeless, especially in light of James' execution. Peter's going to go to heaven here in a matter of hours. Now, we're not told how the church responded to the arrest of James, but there's no doubt his execution must have moved them to even uh, more urgently pray for Peter. With Peter's arrest, we read here in verse 5, earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Well, no doubt they're praying for the Lord to uphold him and encourage him in this trial. But the entire church is also praying for his release. So, so you got this high drama taking place here in Jerusalem. Peter has been arrested. He's been intercepted, so to speak. And the church is interceding. Now, I have no doubt in my mind that the church had prayed for James' release. But in his perfect plan and design, well, God planned for James to receive an eternal deliverance. Well, God's plan for Peter is immediate deliverance. Verse 7 tells us, An angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up, quickly! And the chains fell off his hands. Well, the guards evidently didn't hear or see anything. They've been They've been put into some kind of hibernation, I suppose. The angel simply leads Peter out, and the gates open automatically. And then once outside, well, the angel, we're told, disappears. Verse 12 tells us, And Peter went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And he knocked at the door. Well, evidently, this prayer meeting has extended well into the night. They're, they're praying for Peter's release. And the answer to their prayers is, is now knocking out there on the door. So a young woman, we're told, named Rhoda, she goes out to answer the door. And she is so shocked when she recognizes Peter's voice that she didn't even open the door. Well, she runs back into the middle of that prayer meeting and basically tells everybody, you're not going to believe it, but Peter's out there. Well, they tell her she's out of her mind. And then they suggest, well, it must be his angel out there at the door. So just kind of imagine this conversation, this scene. Rhoda says, he's here. Well, who's here? Well, well, well Peter, he's out there at the door. Well, you've, you've lost your mind, Rhoda. No, I haven't. I saw him. Well, you must have seen a ghost. No, I'm telling you, Peter's at the door. Now, now, look, Rhoda, we're busy praying here. We're asking God to let Peter out, and, well, you're interrupting our prayer meeting. Well, she's probably insisting, so they finally go out to the door, and they realize it's Peter, verse 16 tells us, and it, it tells us that they're all amazed. We're not the only ones who find it hard uh, to figure out what God is planning. In fact, uh, we, we find it hard to believe sometimes that God's answered our prayer. Isn't it encouraging to know that 
even the apostles that are here, uh, those that, that hung around with them, the believers, they're having difficulty with, with believing this has actually happened? Well, Peter speaks to them here in verse 17. He says, tell these things to James and to the brothers. And then we're told he departs to another place. Now, this particular James, whom Peter mentions here, is the half-brother of Jesus, and he, is, he has become the prominent pastor-teacher there in the church at Jerusalem. Well, the next morning, Peter, of course, is missing. Verse 18 says, there was a disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. Well, I imagine <laughs> that's true. Uh, Herod Agrippa suspects the guards are either in on this or they're negligent in their duty. And because of it, rather tragically, he has them all put to death. Well, after this, Herod leaves for Caesarea. That's his coastal palace. And no doubt he, he wants all of this sort of behind him. Besides, you know, his public approval ratings, well, they've just plummeted. The truth is, God is about to bring Herod himself to justice. The setting, we're told, here in verse 20, is is a peace treaty between Herod and the seaport cities of Tyre and Sidon. Evidently, they'd done something to upset Herod, and he'd imposed some sort of economic blockade. So representatives of these two cities come out to Herod there at Caesarea, there at the palace, and they evidently resolve the issue. Well, Herod takes this opportunity to, to give a public speech, and frankly, it's all about how great he is. He puts on a splendid robe. He comes out before all the people with all this pomp and circumstance of a royal appearance. And here in verse 22, the people all begin shouting, the voice of a God and not of a man. In other words, Herod's not a man. Well, he's a God. We can imagine Herod loving this. Verse 23 then records, Immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. With one little movement of a sovereign finger, God releases worms within Herod's intestines that take his life. The reason for this judgment is clearly stated here for us. He did not give God the glory. That's a frightening statement for anybody to this day. Let me tell you, beloved, hell is going to be filled with people guilty of this same sin, refusing to give God the glory. The judgment of God isn't just for Herod. The judgment of God is for everybody who tries to steal his glory and reject his offer of salvation. So this chapter ends now with a brief note here in verse 25. Paul and Barnabas returned from Jerusalem, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. Well, now this is going to set the stage for some rather dramatic events that are going to take place in chapter 13. But before we drop anchor today, there's one thing I want to, I want to note. Chapter 12 reminds us that the gospel cannot be stopped. The leaders of this world, beloved, come and go. Uh, it, It looks like they're in command, but the king of heaven is in sovereign control. 
command. So let's live today with that kind of reassurance. Let's not panic. The plans of God are underway, and the plans of God will always come to pass. Well, now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. This lesson is called God's Divine Designs as Stephen Davey continues the wisdom journey. If you'd like to go back and listen to any of the previous lessons, we've posted all of them to our website. Visit wisdomonline.org to listen to any of the lessons or to watch the video version. Again, visit wisdomonline.org today. Then join us next time to continue traveling along the wisdom journey.